Militarily Speaking, Episode 33, Hope for the Warriors. This episode, we talk with Robin Kelleher, CEO and co-founder of Hope for the Warriors. Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean, and the recently arrival with Jody Vickery, my co-host, because you've been traveling the last few days, right? I have been. I've yeah. been graduating a child and playing basketball, watching my child play basketball. Yeah, big stuff. Yeah, that I won't go off of memory, but it's a tough time when your child goes to college. But I'm going to digress and not go that route because <laughs> I get teary-eyed, all right? so <laughs> Please don't. I don't need to cry this morning. We'll keep going. I'm the Regional Military Executive for Armed Forces Bank, and Jody's the Executive Vice President, Director of Military Consumer Lending and any other project as assigned (laughs) to be determined at a later date. Super fast fine print (laughs) at the bottom. (laughs) Again, welcome to our show. We're excited to have you listening and learning about our guest, Robin Kelleher, with Hope for the Warriors. And if you don't mind, Robin, I'm going to just take a few minutes and share some of your bio with our audience because I want them to know all of the wonderful things that we've learned about you through this. Robin is a visionary organizational strategist across for-profit and nonprofit industries with a unique ability to create cohesive support for critical missions. She has an expertise in identifying opportunities and developing productive partnerships to promote campaigns and broaden awareness to create tangible support. She's highly skilled in translating vision to implementation with strong persuasive abilities to engage and train key players. Robin is the co-founder who serves as the CEO of Hope for the Warriors, Her entrepreneurship, leadership, and passion has led this highly successful for-purpose, I love that, for-purpose, organization to national heights, raising over 75 million, that's two commas, Tom, and significantly impacting the military community. She is responsible for developing and implementing strategic direction for the organization, driving results with a dedicated board of directors, and providing budgetary and mission-focused guidance to the growing staff of Hope for the Warriors. She serves as a member of the Defense Advisory Committee on Women in the Service, Membership Committee, and Health and Wellness Solution Group of the Washington Board of Trade, the Military Family and Veteran Service Organizations of America Board of Directors, the Virginia Chambers Military and Veterans Affairs Executive Committee, and a Prevence Ambassador. Do you need a break? I do. That's a lot. She's she's apparently got more time in her day than I do. (laughs) She's worked extensively with military families caring for family units during multiple deployments as the wife of a Marine. Additionally, her experiences as the daughter and granddaughter of U.S. soldiers have given her a unique insight into the needs of service members and their families. Prior to 2006, Robin founded two for-profit and one nonprofit business. She holds a bachelor's degree in business and economics from Randolph-Macon College, a certificate in executive leadership from Duke, and a certificate in psychology of leadership from Cornell University. That is a lot. I am exhausted just reading it. So (laughs) welcome to you. It's an honor to have you on our show. I know. Thank you for being with us. Hope for the Warriors does such important work. We're so pleased to have you here today to share that with our audience. Could you just start maybe by laying a little bit of groundwork for them? It started back in 2006 and maybe discuss the mission of Hope for the Warriors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank. first of all, thank you all for having me this morning and listening to the story of Hope. We love what we do, and so we love certainly love talking about it. The reality is, 2006, you know, we were well into several years of the combat with Iraq and deployment cycles. Most of us families not really knowing what was going to happen next, and 
So we were stationed in Eastern North Carolina, and this organization was founded by military spouses. And it really came about because we were things were getting heated up. We were seeing injuries. We were having family members not returning home. And as families, our job was to take care of each other and to make sure that the mission of you know of our of our military was the priority. So, as military spouses, we banded together and said, you know, what can we do to really one let everyone know that we're here for them, two really unite this community, both the corporate and military community, and make sure that everyone was you know being well cared for and their needs were being understood and they had the resources they need. But we started off doing something that we felt was very important to the military, and that was bringing everybody together for an event. And it was a run. We were big runners. And so we loved what that represented. It represents has great representation in the military community when you talk about wellness, physical wellness, emotional wellness, setting goals, competing, all the things that you can that you can really pull out from just that kind of a singular event. But most importantly, it was about bringing the community together. And so we put on this fantastic event in at Camp Lejeune, and it was a huge success. And it was pouring down rain, and it couldn't have been an uglier day, but we had over 2,000 people out there, and they didn't budge. And so we knew it was a really important concept that we needed to continue. And so we really sat down and thought, well, what, what more can we do? So we launched a nonprofit organization, and that I'll share this sweet moment with you because it was a God wink moment for me. It was a lot of work to start another organization. My husband was deploying. I had just had my second child. Our co-founder's husband had been severely wounded in Iraq. So it was a lot to really take this on. But when we received our paperwork from North Carolina, our organization was launched or initiated on 9-11. And six. So that was really a telling moment for me that we were doing the right thing and headed in the right direction. And we just, you know, kept going from there. It was, what do we need now? What do we see is happening? What can we do to kind of fill the gaps that we're seeing right now for military families? And I know we'll get into a little bit of that later on, but it's been 16 years. And, you know, that yep. was never planned, to be honest with you. It was really to just take care of each other while our husbands were going back and forth between Iraq and then Afghanistan and, and making sure that the family stayed strong because that's you know such an important part of mission success. We have over 62, we've got 63 full-time staff members now spread out across the country, and they are working daily tirelessly providing resources and programs for military families, both active duty and veterans and families of the fallen. Like I said, just very proud of what we do. We've stayed very true to our roots. Well-being, wellness, mental health, and the family are all of our priorities. And I think we're doing a great job with it. It's awesome. I love the God wink moment. That gave me goosebumps a little bit. I know. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's awesome. You talked about that, how you launched it with like a five, was it a 5K back in 2006 timeframe? So we did, it was a 5K and a 10K, but the most important one was the one mile. And I love this story because people referred to it as a fun run originally. And we were very adamant that this was really about recovery and starting over for many of the service members who had come home wounded. This was their first mile. 
since they had been injured. So not necessarily fun, but that first mile has stayed a part of that event for over 16 years, and it really represents the strength and the resiliency of the military community. Robin, 16 years, that means it's you're in it. That's, you're past the point of no return. you got to keep going, okay? Yeah. Yeah. I think she's in it for the long haul. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, I can hear that in her voice. Robin, you, you used to own a company that specialized in boot camp style fitness, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I know we should be grateful. This is audio only. She's not going to put us through our paces. <laughs> Let's do burpees, Tom. <laughs> we love burpees. Oh yeah, no, it'll be the death of me. You are, yeah. You, you alluded to the fact that you were going to talk a little bit about the programs and all the good things that you do for our military community. So why don't you talk a little bit about those programs? Absolutely. With the really at the very beginning, the things that we noticed were, and we were spouses, so that was clear that the spouses really needed support, and especially those whose husbands had been injured. We started with some spouses support groups that we ran and replicated in different installations, giving spouses a place to talk about what they were experiencing, share resources with each other, sometimes just sit and cry, you know, enjoy each other's company, but also recognize that this was kind of a tough road that everyone was, a tough journey everyone was really launching into. And from there, we also recognized that, especially with the severely, in the severely wounded community, that many of the spouses were going to become primary financial providers. And, you know, you all know better than anyone that that's a young, typically a very young group of people, haven't had a lot of financial expertise experience, and education or time to finish an education. So we felt very strongly that being able to provide scholarships for military spouses, you know, who had injuries or deaths was one of the very first important programs that we launched as well. So it was really about taking care of the family at the very beginning. And as I said, we stayed very true to that because the family unit is so important to, you know, a a successful mission both in your community, but as a country as well. And we've been doing spouses scholarships for over 16 years now. So it's really, it's a joy for us because many of those students and spouses have come back and now work for us. Oh, that's awesome. So not only did we do the scholarships, but then we launched an internship program for masters of social work students. And so being able to provide the scholarship and then the internship and now employment has been has been a, a beautiful goal that we've been able to achieve. Robin, did, you, did the closing up for that just happen in April? Something for applications? Does it start from a from a year standpoint? Mm-hmm. So we do, we have two rounds during okay. the year. So the spring scholarships and the fall scholarships. Are the so people should look forward to the spring scholarships if they have an interest in spring of twenty twenty four, right? They were to go to your website and find out more about that. That's correct. Yes. Say the website, Robin. The website is hopeforthewarriors.org. Okay. You get to put a plug in for that. What you get fifteen times can max. We, to and talk then we about can okay. Now we can do it fifteen times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. And thank you. <laughs> we'll just put it on repeat. Yeah, no, I, I love the, the foundation kind of being there in that spouse support network, especially for the ones that have been through the, the things that you're describing. I mean, it's nice to come to a place, I assume, for them where they don't have to retell what they've been through. Everybody there knows they've kind of walked a mile in those same shoes. So you don't have to retell your story every time to, 
just be there and be surrounded by folks that, that get it. I think just providing that to them is, is surely a blessing. So if you would talk for a little bit too, 16 years is a long time for an organization to, to do the kinds of things that you're doing. How have you found the organization yourself? How have you evolved over time? Certainly our, our military mission deployment, op tempo, all that's changed over 16 years. How have you evolved to make sure that you're positioned in the right place at the right time? So when we first started the organization, it was very focused on the severely wounded community. And therefore, a lot of our work was at the major medical centers and, you know, sitting in the hospitals, being with the families in the hospitals and and giving them that support and understanding, also walking them through what they what they were going to experience and get letting them know that it's going to be hard, but it was going to they were going to be okay. I think our first evolution really had noticing and recognizing that there were a lot of people at the hospitals now. There was a lot of focus on the military and those who were being wounded. And some of it was overwhelming at, at a point. So we really kind of pulled back a little bit at that point and, realized, and recognized that a, these people were going back home and the resources that they needed weren't necessarily there. So we pulled back from the hospitals and really started to focus on the community work. Very, That was pretty early on. And employment and, again, just whatever resources in the community, letting the community know how to support wounded service members in their, in their communities. I think our next biggest evolution had to do with starting to really see the challenges that our service members were facing and their families that weren't necessarily physically injured and building out programming and recognition and awareness for the moral, emotional, and psychological injuries that we were seeing. You recognize that the divorce rate is sky high and that financial challenges were were wrapped around brain injuries and post-traumatic stress and these things that we weren't really weren't really front page news at that time. And also, you know, a lot of people just didn't understand it. We're still working on that concept now is that traumatic stress is very normal and it's a process that you have to go through in order to move on with your life when you experience trauma. And so that, you know, again, we talk about the stigma around mental health, but those are the things that we started to really observe and recognize and try to figure out what, what are the ways that we can help address that in our small way. Mental health providers are, you know, the numbers are so low in this country and it's, we don't have the people that we need in place. And so that's where we started looking at what, again, where, where is a small organization? Can we make our impact? And looking at the educational pathway of social workers, psychologists, that type of thing, where could we influence that? Because what we understood so well is being militarily, culturally competent was how you were going to be successful with a service member, a veteran, or military family. You need to understand, like you said earlier, you need to get it. They'll know if you don't. <laughs> it takes about a second to figure it out, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> I always, just to simplify it, if you call a Marine a soldier, yep, they're going to walk out of the room. <laughs> you're done. Yep, goodbye. Nope. Uh, yep. But that's where we started our internship program. And we partnered with a number of universities across the country to provide internships for their Masters of Social Work students so that we could put them boots on the ground in the military culture. 
And ideally, that would influence their journey into military social work. So ideally, again, building that pool of competent, military competent providers in this country. I think, Jody, as we've had some podcast guests over the last 13 months or so, when we talk about what's facing our military families and food insecurity, I was really surprised stat-wise, data-wise, how, how, how rough that is for our military families. And also the homelessness that our veterans are experiencing is also another cry for help and support out there too. And organizations such as yours are making a, a huge difference. And when you think about every day, all the, the 60, was it 63 people you have employed around the country too that are helping us drive the mission of, of your organization. And I think about my daughter from a philanthropy standpoint. She works for, so she does social work for a company that, that handles people with dementia. And it's the same kind of concept where what can we give back every single day? I love the work that you're doing. And shoot, if I could do that every single day, I would do that as well. So that's 16 years in banking, I'm, I'm out. Yep. Social work, that's it. Apply <laughs> for a job. Right. <laughs> Yeah, do, you have, yeah. do, you have, do you have openings? Do you have to go to your website and find I job openings? I can provide reference. <laughs> yes, we would. You know, we also have an ambassador program, and that is our, our volunteers. So they're part of our military relations team, and they're out in their community connecting with other veterans in their community and military families and making sure that they, again, have access to exceptional resources, not just resources. We believe that they deserve exceptional resources. Well said. We'll, we'll do a little bit of light stuff here, too, about the podcast business, right? She and I have been doing this for, like I said, 13 months, 33rd episode. Should be wow. the nine, it should be the 911th episode because that would be, that that would be, be the God wink. time together thing, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. So Kate Dudley, mm-hmm. right? She's a military spouse that just launched a podcast, I think, Breaking News, right? Because it, yes. it's on your website in May, which we're in May right now. So talk a little bit about that. I think you were the first guest on your first episode, right? So I was. And what's the mission? So, you know, we've been wanting to do a podcast for a long time because that we've learned so much along the way. We don't know everything. We're learning more every single day, but we want to share the stories. We want to share the story of hope. We feel like there's so many amazing people that have lifted this organization up through the years and supported us through those 16 years because it's been tough. And so being able to talk about that and share those stories, we were really excited for Kate to really put her heart and soul into launching this podcast. And she just started with us earlier this year. She's brand new to the staff and definitely an incredible addition to the family. I just spent, actually just spent a weekend with her and several of our other team. And we were at a clay shoot in New York and then a bass fishing tournament. And then we went to Philadelphia to watch Kevin Bittenbender, a very recent amputee, cross the finish line of the Pittsburgh Marathon. And Kate just got tremendous footage and video. And so she's an, she's an amazing addition. But I love the idea of doing the podcast because we can bring not just my voice, but everyone else's voice to hope and to share the stories of our service members and, and the passion that we bring to this community. Fantastic. You know, we're talking about a podcast on a podcast. I know. Does that remind you of the Seinfeld episode at all? <laughs> no. Kramer, Every day with you reminds me of a Seinfeld. When, when Kramer, <laughs> Kramer said, let's do a coffee table book about coffee tables. I know. 
and put it on the coffee table. All right. Okay. I remember I, that one. You remember that? Thank you. I do. Yes. I'm just waiting for you to get I'm not losing it. Then. Dance like Elaine. Well, <laughs> that would be bad. That would be bad. So I want to talk about results. And we've, we've had some sprinkled in here so far, even in this short conversation. You've done a lot of great work. It's obvious you're doing that in a lot of different ways. However, those, those needs need to be met. Can you talk a little bit about the results? We've, we've heard about the $75 million that you've raised, maybe families that you've helped, scholarships. Yeah, absolutely. One, I have to be very clear that our numbers are rising. We were consistently sitting at about 10,000 service member, family members a year. Last year, we were up to about 13,500. And as you said earlier, you know, food insecurity, home insecurity, employment, those things are our three biggest challenges. And they're all, they're all really interrelated, aren't they? They really are. And it's, you know, if you think about it, it makes sense. The housing, and I had this conversation with a, a group of leadership in the Washington, D.C. area, and it didn't hit them until we kind of explained the path. If you are renting, as most of our military families are, if they're not living on base because they move so often, and the rents go up and, and a homeowner has the ability to get more rent, the likelihood is that they're going to either ask you to move out or they're going to raise your rent. Now, if your income doesn't support that, obviously you have to move out. What we're seeing is then many families having to move further and further away from the military installations to be able to afford housing, which then creates a, you know, a, a financial issue with gas and getting back and forth to work. So then you're starting to really have to prioritize where you're spending your money. And is that reducing the quality of food that you feed your family? Is that reducing somebody's ability to go to work or not go to work or doctor's appointments or you really have to start taking things off the list. And that that's where we're seeing these terrible hardships. And it's not always about not having food, but it's not having enough or having quality food. Or So it's different levels of it. And yet our service members and their families are relentless about they have a mission. They go to work. They serve their country. And so they will re- reprioritize in a way perhaps that somebody else's family may not. That's so true. So true. Yeah, we spend a lot of time on our military where we have locations to do financial education. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about people that have been in the military or, or veterans. They say, I wish somebody told me dot, dot, dot. And I wish somebody had put me on the right path from a financial freedom or financial education standpoint. And so we take pride in that, Robin, at our where we operate to make sure we do our part that way for what we can with the military families. Well, and it's, you know, partnerships like what with what you do and with what we do, make us a force multiplier. Agreed. So speaking of force multiplying, how can people get involved with the organization and provide some meaningful support for you? And like you said, every day you wake up, you're probably in growth mode. How can people help you? What, what can they do to, to provide that kind of support for your initiatives? Go to the website, www.hopeforthewarriors.com. Dot org. That's two. You get 13 more. <laughs> Donations are critical. We rely on the general public for support, financial support, volunteerism. And we, so right now we don't have any federal funding. It is corporate foundations. Family foundations are incredibly generous. And individuals who are committed to 
the well-being of the military. Thank you. So we're going to send our audience to hopeforthewarriors.org. Yes. To make sure that they contribute. You know, so I I probably have a, I would think, maybe a next to impossible question. Out of 16 years of of service in this way, is there, you know, I think there's power in storytelling. Is Mm -hmm. there a story or two that you would share with our audience about a family that you've helped that's just stuck in your mind and really just speaks why you do what you do every day? I have about 5,000 of those. Um, (laughs) 5 million? (laughs) I told you we have 17 days to record this podcast, so we're good. (laughs) Listen, I'll keep going too. I'm going to share the most recent one because one, people can go find it. It's still very prevalent in the, in the media today. But this is a story about hope for the reality of hope and the power behind that word. We, I just mentioned that we spent last weekend at the Pittsburgh Marathon. And on the surface, this looks like an amazing man who he is, who has been exposed to the burn pits during his service and was having a great deal of trouble with his left leg. It was a lot of damage done because of burn pit exposure. And that leads us to, you know, a million other types of conversations. But for him, his well-being, his psychological, his mental well-being came from being active and running in particular competing in events, participating in outdoor recreation, as so many of our service members, that's where they find their place of healing. And so not being able to participate because of his leg, he chose to amputate below the knee. And he did that 444 days before he ran the Pittsburgh Marathon on his prosthetic. More to that story is he did do the surgery on his birthday in February of 2022. In May of 2020, of 2022, he did the Pittsburgh Marathon on a hand cycle. Oh, wow. Later that year, the Marine Corps Marathon on a hand cycle. And then ran with his surgeon the Pittsburgh Marathon you know, about a week ago. If you had talked to Kevin years ago, he will tell you that he would have been one of the statistics. Mm-hmm. He was in a very dark place, didn't know how to get himself out of it, didn't see a lot of you know, future for himself, but he found hope, and he found hope in the organization and the people and the things that we provided for him and the, the journey that we set him out on gave him back a sense of purpose, and he was able to see himself in his future again with his family. He has a service dog now. And to me, that's one of the most powerful stories, although they're all very similar to that in that finding that sense of purpose and hope really is how our clients have really transcended the tragedies and the traumas and the challenges that they've had. And it's hard to feel sorry for yourself. It's hard to not really find a way to get through your own stuff when you know you can because you've seen other people do it. You've watched them do it. You've been a part of that journey with them, or you've heard their story. So the stories are so important, not only just to talk about what the organization does, but to give that hope to other people. We're at a tough place in this country with mental health, and you know, there's such a stigma around it that is so unnecessary and is so debilitating. 
we all have our challenges. We all have our things that we go through, and we need to be able to process the things that we've experienced and do that in a way that is normal and natural and and to be able to take from other people's stories and really band together and in that word hope, which again is just so powerful when you think about it. You brought up burn pits. It was remind, reminded me of our recent podcast with Bonnie Carroll at TAPS, mm-hmm. right? And she's doing yeah. some advocacy. Are you doing advocacy work up in D.C. on behalf of your organization? We are, yes. Okay. Well, keep hope alive, as they say, right? So yeah. keep yes. keep advancing that. So you talk about your staff and we take pride at our bank of having about 80 or 85% of the people that work for our company that have a military connection, either a spouse, a dependent, veteran. They've got a connection to the military because it's important to walk in the footsteps of our clients. But you've got over half of your staff mm-hmm. that have a veteran or military spouse connection to. Why is that important? Yeah. Again, that military culture, understanding the military culture is what makes us so successful because we do get it. It also helps us to envision what should come next because we're living it. Many of our spouses or husbands are still active duty or, you know, have just been recently our recent veterans. So they understand where the military is at right now and where it's going. We're part of organizations because of our backgrounds and our experiences that are casting the future of the military making decisions for what comes next in the military. So we do have insight into what is going to be needed by organizations like ours and and like TAPS. I think that's so important. I think just having that shared military background, it's it's kind of like credibility. It's it's table stakes to serve this community. Yeah, I remember when I first got married to my husband, he brought home the Army Wife Handbook. (laughs) It was was literally like an inch thick and there, there was a lot to it. I don't know that I ever fully mastered it, but you're still re- you're on page one. Yeah, I might have gotten a little grouchy when you brought it home. To be <laughs> to be quite honest, but I actually did. Well, I hope he might listen to this. That I actually did refer to it. There's there's a lot to know. And there is the, we the still things use that it. matter and that are yeah. easy tells to others that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, as as we start to wind down our conversation, we just always like to give folks kind of an open forum to talk about anything that we didn't think to ask you or something that's come up since we've we've talked in advance of this. Are there things that you would want to share beyond what we've already talked about about the organization? A couple different things. I One very important thing is that the military and military families are strong. They're tough. They're resilient but they're people. So they need support just like everyone else does. I, I fear sometimes that in an effort to, to discuss our mission or to talk about what we do, there's perception sometimes that military families are, you know, are the mental health issues could be a problem, which is, is so absurd. But, you know, I think in, for us, being able to talk about what is deemed a very small part of the, the mili- you know, the American public is actually a great way to learn how to help the general public at large. And if you think about it that way, the resources, the, the focus on mental health in the military community is a great place to learn for everyone. If we can reduce the suicide numbers in the military population, we can reduce the suicide numbers in the general public. If we can ease the trauma experiences in the military, we can 
then apply that to the general public. And we saw that during COVID. A lot of the things that we were doing for our military families in terms of resiliency and suicide prevention, awareness, those types of conversations, we're now doing it in corporations and communities because they need to know and they want to know now what we've learned and how to help in, uh, in the general public. So I think that's really important to understand. And, and also organizations like Hope for the Warriors are funded by the American public and they're critical. DOD, VA cannot do all of the work that we together are able to do as, uh, you know, as a collective force. And so it's important to look at what's, what are you passionate about? as a philanthropist or an investor or a donor. And if it's the military community, we still need help. We still need your support. www.hopeforthewarriors.org. We also love our volunteers. They really help us grow and get the work out in smaller and wonderful places that we're not always physically in. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, if you... If you look at your organization from a charity navigator standpoint, because that's where I typically go when, you know, the, the credibility and the fact that you probably, from a dollar standpoint, giving back to the community you serve, which is all go into the formula for giving you a four-star rating on navigator. So that, that's an important for our audience. It's important for me and Jody, where the organization has instant credibility and has been vetted and is serving a great purpose. And so thank you for that. I wanted to just share a couple couple comments from people that have used your organization that are reviews out there. Just a couple one-liners for you. You probably already heard these, but our audience may not have. So it says, they don't treat me like a number. Once I started getting back to hand cycling, I felt a sense of purpose. You talked about that earlier, about hand cycling. There isn't a cure, a pill, or a treatment. But this group, Hope for the Warriors, has helped me in so many ways. My heart is overwhelmed with gratitude and respect for everyone that works there understanding, caring, empathetic, giving me reason to hope again. And the organization truly cares and delivers. And I guess it goes on and on and on and on about the positivity about the responses. Once they, once they find you, once you get with them from a connectivity standpoint, it's, it's always positive. So thank you for all that you've done over the last 16 years. Thank you. And again, thank you all for taking the time to listen and, and share our story. It's people like you that are going to help me you know, bring hope to more families, and we're partners in this mission. Yes, we'd be honored to play some very small part in that you know, we, grand scheme of things and all she's done for families. Don't we always talk about we have a strategy of hope in, in banking? We do. This is a much better strategy because yes. this one's working. This one I can get behind. <laughs> yeah. This one I can well, thank you all. Thank you. And thank you for what you do because, again, it's such a critical piece of, of helping to educate and launch, you know, young people who are willing to serve their country on their life journey with financial education and stability. That's what it's, that's critical. Well said. Building blocks. Can, can you stick around for just another minute? Of course. We're going to play a game. <laughs> okay. We're not putting, well, well, let me, we're not putting you Don't on the spot. Don't ask me any history questions. I no. saw that you guys do that. <laughs> yeah, I won't put you on the spot. Tom Ooh. might, but I won't. So, she might know the answer to this one question from last might. week, though, right? I never know the answer. I feel so inadequate. <laughs> so our game is called the Military Minute. 
we do love to play it. Last week's question, if you recall, Tom, was what was the most watched YouTube video of all time? And our audience is going to hate us because now they're going to have this earworm and they're going to be hearing. Maybe let's give Robin oh, a do chance. You know? The most watched YouTube video of all time. Yes. Maybe this, I'll give you a hint that won't help you at all. Ready? <laughs> it's 11 billion views. Holy cow. One billion of which probably were my children. <laughs> <laughs> and then Robin's going to have this in her head all day long. And then yeah, my husband no, this, was another half billion. <laughs> this will haunt me. I, uh, and I'll call you both in the middle of the night when I remember, when I realize. When you start did. singing it to us? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are you going to sing it? No, no, no. All right. It's the baby shark dance. I wanted to sing it, but... <gasps> do, do you remember you know the baby so, shark? Do you know what's so funny about that? We have a, a cool event in North Carolina. It's a celebrity golf tournament. It's hosted by Johnny Bench and Doug Flynn from the you know, Big Red Machine. And we had a volunteer for that event two years ago, and she came as a as baby shark. <laughs> and <laughs> Well, you know, why not? I mean, Nobody <laughs> knew what she was. <laughs> Until she started singing, and then it's like, exactly. get out of my head. So I apologize to everybody that's listening that is now going to be... So this week's Military Minute, so nobody (laughs) answer this one because we're going to tell people next time. In 1952, the United States Air Force created Project Blue Book to study what? And I will tell you, Blue Book, it's not car values. So Yeah, and it's not... It's not like the black book, right? I don't know. No, no. (laughs) So don't answer, but if you do know or you think you know, when we drop this podcast... Post your answer in the comments, and you might be selected to win $50 for you and $50 for a charity of your choice, just like the winner that put Baby Shark Dance, hopefully, in the comments. <laughs> God love them. And if whoever wins, a charity of my choice might just be... And where would you donate that money, Tom? I mean, like on the website or it's, something? It's a test. No, yeah, I'm not answering that question. Hopeforthewarriors.org yeah. is where I would go. So Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, go out to afbank.com and subscribe to the show. Also, make sure to rate us. Leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts or Spotify and YouTube. Well done, Robin. Thank you so much. Thank you all. This was a pleasure. You guys have a fantastic day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Copyright 2022 Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, all non-Armed Forces Bank owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced herein are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law, Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.